part four of a series together going through the book of Acts. I hope that you have been reading a chapter a day as we go through. It's entitled, the series is entitled The Days After. We started it the week after Easter because sometimes we think that Whenever Jesus was resurrected, that's the end of the story. That wasn't the end of the story. That is, that is the end of a chapter that begins a brand new chapter. So we've entitled this series, The Days After. The Gospels tell us the days that, of the account of Jesus whenever he was walking here on earth the book of Acts tells us the days after Jesus rose from the dead, and it gives us the account of the birth of the church that is continuing on. We're still in the days after. And so we're, we're going through this uh, awesome, uh, action-packed book of the book of Acts that gives us the account of the days after the resurrection and the birth of the church. There's a couple of things this isn't in your notes. You can you can follow along in, in your notes if you'd like, but didn't have room for these reminders from the last uh, few weeks. But let me just let me just give them to you real quick as you as you read through. There's a couple of words that describe the the followers of Jesus in these days after the resurrection. One was worship. They were people of worship. And then witness is the second word because they, they were, and Jesus gave the, he gave the promise to don't leave, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and through the, through the rest of the world. So those two words uh, you will see are good descriptions of what a, a synopsis down to two words on what you see as you go through there. And here's what I mean by worship, because this worship is not what we just, not just what we, that's part of it, but it's not just what we did, a few, what we've done through the songs. It's this worship that we're talking about is a life offered fully as worship. And if a life that is an, a life that is offered fully as worship will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will experience the power of God to live this life out. Romans 12:1 says, "Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, because this is your holy and pleasing. It's holy and pleasing to God, and it is your reasonable acts of worship. So that's the kind of worship that I'm talking about, and a life that is offered wholly to God will will experience the power of God in the life, and a life that is that is offered fully as worship, will be a witness for God in the world. So a life of worship will be noticed by God and will be noticed by the world. I like, I like to be noticed. All right. 
Our reading this week was Acts 15 through 21, and we're going to be looking at some passages from chapter 16 and chapter 19, and I want, to, I want us to think about spiritual warfare this morning. We need to, we need to realize that there is, a, there is a spiritual battle taking place. It's becoming more and more difficult to ignore the reality that's what, that what's happening in our culture is way more than political or cultural or social. It's spiritual. And I could spend at least an hour on things that are happening that, that we all see that are not a lot of them are not reported um, on any main network news. I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't have cable, so I don't have cable news or any of that. So I don't know what's being reported on cable news. But I'll tell you, watching the morning news on the main networks uh, most mornings, there are, there's a lot of things happening that aren't reported on the news. And I'll just give you one example that you may or may not have heard of that's happened. In, in Washington State, Senate, one of their senators, Senator Marco Elias, I guess, Elias, they, he was talking about their Senate Bill 5599. And this is all that's left on, in, on the steps of this becoming law in Washington State is just the, it's already passed the Senate, it's already passed the House, it's on the governor's desk, all he has to do is sign it into law. Listen to it. This senator was talking about this bill, and he affirms that trans youth are protected in Washington State by removing barriers to safe shelter. This legislation gives meaningful choices, listen, to young people's people who may not have supportive families at home so they, so they don't end up on the street, but instead have shelter options when seeking this life-saving care. In other words, life-saving care is, and it's described out in the actual bill, is puberty blockers and, base, and what I call body mutilation or whatever on, this, on the surgeries for sex change. So he goes on to say, under current law, licensed shelters must notify, listen, must notify parents if a child comes into their care unless a compelling reason applies. This legislation allows licensed shelters to contact the Department of Children, Youth, and Families in lieu of parents in certain additional areas, instances like when a young person is seeking reproductive health services or gender-affirming care. So in other words, if your child in your home, a minor decides that they have gender dysphoria or whatever, 
and they and you're not supportive of that they can go to this shelter and that shelter not contact the parent but can lead them through the process of having their sex changes without contacting the parents and all that's left is the governor signing that into law in Washington State. That's not political. That's demonic. Well, I expected one amen, but again, I'm... that's scary is what it is outside of spiritual battles that are going on. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes, Satan, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Isn't that awesome? So you say, you may be here and say, I don't believe in the devil, and I'd say that's why you're losing the battle against the devil. Jesus said that there is, there is a devil, then that he is your enemy, and he's a thief, and he wants to steal from you. He is destructive, and he wants to destroy you, and he's a murderer and wants to kill you. And he is very serious, and he's very intentional about doing it. And I would say many times he's probably more serious about destroying us than we are serious about not allowing him to destroy us. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You excited about this? Let me give you some good news. This is in your notes. We're starting up right now for today's message. We do have to encounter the enemy. Every one of us have to encounter the enemy, but we don't have to be defeated by him. Every one of us will encounter, and will have to engage the enemy, but we do not have to be defeated by him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? I'm not going to teach on the principles and practices of spiritual warfare today. I have in the past, and you can search the website or our podcast or whatever, and and get those as well as one of the best things that you can get. And I encourage if you don't have a Pray First prayer guide, they're out here on the table. They're free, wanting you to have it. You can also download this with some more information on an app, the Pray First prayer app. So you can download that and have it with you on, the, on your phone. Powerful. And in there it has some spiritual warfare prayers that are listed out. God hears it even if you don't know what to say. Scriptural prayers that you can pray against the enemy and do spiritual warfare. So I'm not going to, I'll do it in the future, I'm sure. I've done it in the past. But today we're in Acts, and there's a couple of accounts that of spiritual warfare that happened in our reading this week that now I have to quickly uh, share with you today, and I want us to look at, we're going to look at these, 
these accounts of spiritual warfare and look at some similarities in these two accounts, and then we're going to look at some of the differences in these accounts. So the first one that I want us to look at, it's a very familiar uh, passage and story that we've, if you've been in Sunday school, you've probably heard this, and if you've been in church very, very long, you've probably heard messages preached from this passage, from me even. Acts chapter 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas, we met a slave girl who had, who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Isn't that something? And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. How about that abundant life going on? Verse 23, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jail jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. So very familiar story, and, and hopefully that you read the rest of that story during this week's reading. Let me give you the, the second account now that we find in chapter 19, starting with verse 13. A group of Jews was, was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. 14. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading, Sceva was a, a leading priest, were doing this. But look at the difference in this account. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Verse 16, then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them and such, with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Wow. So let me just real quickly give a couple of similarities, or a few similarities, not a couple. Both encountered, both of these accounts, they both encountered a demon-possessed demon person or demon-possessed persons. Both of them, listen, both of them prayed in the name of Jesus. <laughs> both were stripped and physically beaten.
And in both cases, the kingdom of God was enlarged after, after both encounters. You probably remember what happened with Paul and Silas. They were, they were locked up, they were chained up, they were beaten up, but still began, in the midst of that, in the midst of their pain, they began to worship. And an earthquake came, you remember, and it shook the place where they were, and the chains fell off, and the, the doors opened, and all of that powerful, awesome stuff happened, and the prison guard assumed that they had escaped, so he was fixing to take his life, and Paul yells to him and lets him know that they were still there, and the prison guard and his entire family became followers of Christ, and man, we celebrate, and it was awesome, and it truly was awesome. And we could spend a whole lot of time just talking about worship right there. So you may have remembered that story because it's, like I said a while ago, it's been preached on a lot. But look at verse 17 of chapter 19 because the kingdom of God was enlarged even after this other account as well. Verse 17 of chapter 19. The story of what happened, these sons of Sceva that tried, that prayed in the name of Jesus and got beat up and run out of town naked, this story goes around everywhere. It spread quickly. I guarantee you it would have spread quickly. It would still spread quickly. There would be videos, you know, put on social media. Spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and to Greeks alike. And it looked a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. None of us wants to be beat up and sent out naked. Uh, verse 19. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at the public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Isn't that something? So the, it goes on to say, verse 20, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. That's awesome. And I really had never thought about that before until preparing for this message today. Even when it looks like the enemy is winning, he's losing. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So we can't go wrong being on Jesus' side. All right. So that's the similarities. Let's look real quickly at the differences. Example one, Paul and Silas, whenever they prayed, a demon-possessed person was set free. A demon-possessed person was set free. An example number two with the sons of Sceva, a demon-possessed person's enslavement continued. The kingdom of God was enlarged, but there could have been two people 
because God cares about the individual. He cares about each one of us. All right, example number one, Paul and Silas desired to be used by God. They, de they desired to be used by God. Example number two, the sons of Sceva desired to use God. That's not a play on words. Think about that for just a second. Paul and Silas desired to be, they desired that their life be used by God to be instruments, to be lives of worship offered wholly to God. The sons of Sceva saw an opportunity to where people were, God was doing what it said was he was doing um, amazing miracles or abnormal miracles. I can't remember exactly. I should have written it, had it in my notes. Um, with Paul. The sons of Sceva saw what was going on there, and they wanted to use God to build themselves up instead of wanting God to use them to build God's name up. It's a massive difference. And it will make a difference in your and my life if we get that right to experience victory and spiritual warfare that we encounter in our lives. All right, moving on to the next. Example one, Paul and Silas were physically hurting, but they were emotionally and spiritually healthy. They were wounded, they were beaten, they were hurting, and even though they were feeling and experiencing all of that physically, they were still emotionally and spiritually healthy. The prison guard may have thought Paul and Silas looked emotionally and mentally unstable whenever they were beaten and they were chained up. I did some research, and whenever it says they were chained up with their feet and with their hands, they would spread their legs as far, so they were sitting down with their legs spread that's about as far as I can go. Unless I wanted to show out. I'd do the splits, but you know, I don't I don't I don't want I don't want to show off. So they would they would sit and they're not on a seat, on the ground, with their legs spread out and chained there where they couldn't move, and then they would change their hands. Bleeding and beat up, you know they were in pain. And I'm sure that the guard and all of the other people probably thought they were mentally unstable whenever they started singing and praising God. <clears throat> they had to have looked crazy. And they may have looked a little crazy until to the guard until his world started falling apart. And whenever his world all around him started falling apart, all of a sudden he started looking to them and saying, I need some of what they have. Paul and Silas were physically wounded and hurting, but emotionally and spiritually 
healthy, and it was a little bit different for the sons of Sceva after the encounter of spiritual warfare. They were physically and emotionally and spiritually wounded and weakened, to say the least. All right, another difference. Example number one, Paul and Silas, their reputations and influence were strengthened as they came through the spiritual warfare. Example number two, the sons of Sceva's reputations and influence were destroyed. And I'm going to let you all finish the writing, but I want you to look up here at me for a second. If we as followers of Christ do not understand and take very seriously spiritual warfare, the enemy will, I don't care what, your rep, what kind of great reputation you may have right now, how successful you may be right now, if you don't take this seriously, I promise you his job is to steal, kill, and destroy you. And if we do not take that seriously, I promise you at some point he will steal your reputation And you will leave naked and embarrassed because I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Whenever people try to come and use God and ignore the enemy's attack against them, the enemy will destroy you. We all right? Y'all wanted Torrance to preach today instead of me, didn't you? You did a great job last week, by the way. You and Jennifer. All right. So what made the difference? What what made the difference between these two accounts of spiritual warfare? It was the difference between relationship and religion. Because it's not just what you know, it's who you know. It's important that we know the, that there's power in the name of Jesus. But we need to know Jesus to have power that works whenever we declare the name of Jesus. And many times we have depended upon the religious duty of Whatever that looks like for us. Well, I made it to church. Or I did this. 
I know it's in the name of Jesus, so I can do whatever I want to do. And, if, and I can just say the name of Jesus. And, and all of that is true whenever it's a heartfelt deal. But if you're trying to just use the name of Jesus to build yourself up, that is religion. And every time, there's no power with that. The difference is, do you know Jesus? Do I know him? The enemy isn't defeated through the recognition of a formula, the formula of in Jesus' name. He's defeated when he recognizes the spirit of Jesus in the person using the name of Jesus. Seth Yon, come on back. But whenever a person knows Jesus, whenever a person is living their life of worship, this worship of I offer myself to you, O God. Use me in any way that you want to. I want you to do whatever you need to do in me so that my life makes you look big and makes you look good. All of a sudden, not only will you be using the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus will be working through you. And whenever Whenever you use his name in spiritual warfare, every knee will bow to his name. And you will go through situations, every one of us, just like Paul and Silas, just like the sons of Sceva. It doesn't matter if you know Jesus or not. There are times whenever you are going to be injured physically, relationally, all kinds of stuff that's going to happen in life. Jesus gave us the very positive message, and he said, in this life, you're going to experience troubles. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. That makes me want to shout, doesn't it? But beat up, bloody, financially destitute, all kinds of things happening in our lives whenever we determine that I am going to lay my life down at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to say, Lord, I am yours no matter what. I don't care how badly the enemy has tried to beat you up physically. You will have victory emotionally, mentally, spiritually to the point on the backside of that people will look at you and thought you were crazy before and whenever their life is falling apart they will say I need some of that God help us because the world is falling apart and the world needs to see that I used to think they were crazy now I see everything else is crazy
God help us. The world needs to see people, followers of Jesus, who are walking in freedom and walking in power. Amen. See? Walking in authority. Walking in confidence. Not in cockiness. Not screaming at everybody around them. Lifting their hands. And if you're chained down, I don't know if they had Paul and Silas's hands chained up here or if they had them down here, but I guarantee you they were they were, <laughs> they were raising their hands up and they were worshiping God because power comes and the presence of God comes whenever we worship from a heart of a life that is a life of worship. God, right now, see every person say it all the time and every person that's in this room and every person watching online you have been you have been already prayed for this morning the core team has already prayed over all of this Jesus knows, God knows exactly where you are. And there may be some that need to just surrender. You haven't surrendered your life to Christ yet. You may be like the guard that said, man, my life is falling apart. The world is falling apart. Everything around me is falling apart time for me to surrender you may be here and been more religious than you have relationship and you've tried over and over again to use the name of Jesus but it hasn't worked it possibly be that you hadn't experienced the power that comes with that because you've been more religious than truly knowing God. a couple of questions on while we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Do I, first question is do I know him? Do I know him? Do I know Jesus? Do I want to know him as badly as he definitely wants to know me? The second question would be am I taking my relationship with him seriously? 
Am I taking my relationship with Jesus and am I taking spiritual warfare seriously? Because I'll guarantee you that the enemy of your soul is taking it very seriously. That's a true reality that the enemy is trying to destroy you. But that shouldn't, that doesn't have to mean that we're, we need to fear. God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. He wants us, God wants us to, and has provided a way for us to be faithful. Full of faith, full of confidence in life. We do have to encounter the enemy, but we don't have to be defeated by him. So right now, I want to pray. For those who may need to begin a relationship with the Lord, those who haven't been serious about the relationship with the Lord, and then whenever I was praying this morning about the end of this service I'll guarantee you there's some in this room right now and watching online that it feels like the enemy is just continually just an onslaught of coming against you trying to destroy you I want to pray over you as well can we just stand this morning before we before we take a little bit of time to worship and ask God just to let this word simmer in our heart I want to pray over you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. But you fit in any of those. I want you to receive this prayer. Because God loves you and he sees you and he knows exactly where you are. Amen. Lord, right now I come before you and I thank you that you provided a way to where we can know you. You want to know us you want, or you want us to know you more than we could ever desire that. But right now, oh God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room right now that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they would just make that decision right now to just lay their life at your feet. Say, Lord, I surrender. Everything that I am, all of my desires, all of my failures, all of my dreams, all of my mistakes, all of my weaknesses, all of the things that I did that I should have done and all of the things that I've done that I shouldn't have done, I lay it all at your feet, oh God. I give you my life. I offer my life as a living sacrifice unto you, as an act of worship, oh God, recognizing my need of you. I pray for those that may be here this morning that have just been kind of going through the motions, doing a duty, but not having a relationship. And they've been losing the attack that the enemy is bringing against them. I pray in your name, oh God, right now, again, the same prayer that they would Decide right now that I surrender all. No matter, no matter what circumstances I may be in, no matter how difficult things may have been, no matter 
what my feelings are or what my physical body is right now. I lay everything at your feet, oh God. I want to know you. Then, God, I pray for those right now that do know you. But they have been going through attack after attack after attack after attack, and they know that you are there, and they 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 can know, they can experience that, they can feel that you're with them. But Lord, they're exhausted right now. I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them help, that you would fill them afresh and anew with your Spirit, O oh God, your Spirit of power, your Spirit of faith, your Spirit of joy. I pray it, O oh God, in your name. Everybody say it.